We are proud to announce a new sponsor for this podcast, Augie's Locker Room. Augie's Locker Room, which is located less than a mile away from Notre Dame Stadium, was named the best Notre Dame's collectible shop in the country. This shop is amazing. If you are a passionate Notre Dame fan and are looking for that special Notre Dame piece to complete your rec room, Augie's is the place to go. They have a wide selection of Notre Dame stadium pieces, jerseys, helmets, autographs, and one-of-a-kind rock knee items. They have an exclusive Joe Montana signed items. If Augie's doesn't have it in store, he will find it for you. Visit AugiesLockerRoom.com or stop in at 1811 South Bend Avenue and see the vintage helmet display dating back to 1890. AugiesLockerRoom.com or call 574-277-NDND. What's going on, Notre Dame fans? Mike Singer from BlueAndGold.com with former Notre Dame Fighting Irish linebacker, linebacker and captain Mike Goolsby. A little bit of late start for us, but Mike Goolsby's a very busy man, so um, we are here. Mike, Mike, why don't you tell them about your day today? Tell the people. Oh, I just uh, went and had to, I drove out of state to look at a vehicle, Mike. So um, I apologize for having to do this, you know, 10 days after the fact, but uh, yeah, yeah, that Sunday night we we're supposed to do it after the after the game. I got sick, man. I haven't been sick like that since I was a little boy. Uh, just violently ill. And I'm blaming some of it on the uh, Irish's performance. So, but uh, good, to, good to see your bearded face again, as always, my friend. Yeah, dude. This It's been on my to-do list to shave this thing for uh, quite a while. But uh, but here we are. So, um, Pork Chop Express says the man, the myth, the legend in our uh, our, our YouTube chat. So um, yes, we 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 have. I'm, I'm guessing he's talking about you. So we 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 definitely. I, was, I thought that was you. No, no. Co legend status, Mike. We made it, dude. <laughs> the people don't tweet and say, "Where's Mike Singer?" They're asking for Mike Goolsby. All right, we have a we really have a shit ton to talk about, and, and you know we're a minute and a half in, and. And, and already got to drop a curse word in there because that's just how serious today's show is. Quick shout out, Bolt Landing Brewing Company. Um, I don't I'm know if they the, I'm rocking their glass. I know they got you some glasses, Mike. Yeah, because you made fun of me. So look, we're both rocking it. Class yeah. it up, dude. Um, Brendan runs the, runs the place uh, in uh, Bolt Landing, New York. And uh, he sent us some more beers and stuff. This Festive Slacks beer is freaking amazing for us watching on YouTube. Like, such a cool-looking can and good dark beer. Great pour by by me. And um, got myself a fancy beer glass. So thank you for making fun of me for not having one, Mike. So now that I have one. um, Listen, folks, whether you're watching on YouTube or a podcast, like, subscribe, rate, whatever you do. And uh, go to blueandgold.com. Dollar for one year premium access. Mike Goolsby's on the board. He started posting, so that's fun. Um, so, and if you sign up before February 3rd, um, you get a free founders club hat, blue and gold. I mean, it, it, it's really the deal of a year. I mean, that value right there is probably like what? 130 bucks, 140 bucks. And you're getting it for a, a $1. It's just for the first year. Obviously your, your second year would go back to normal pricing as all subscriptions and tree deals go, but, um, yeah, heck of a deal. Okay. So there we go, Mike. Let's talk about, uh, the Fiesta Bowl, shall we? Let's do it. Better late than never. How, uh, how, yeah, how, how are you feeling about uh, this game? I, I know you were heated. Um, are, are you still pretty pretty upset, Mike? 
You know, heated is a word, angry is a word. You know, Mike, when you were a little kid and uh, you get in trouble and uh, you do something you knew better than to do and your parents would be like, I'm not angry with you, I'm just disappointed because you know better. Does that make sense? Sure. Um, and I, I look at the Fiesta Bowl that same way. I wasn't so much angry. I was angry. Who am I kidding? I was angry and I was just, but I was so disappointed. The build up to the game with the Freeman hire, all that positive momentum, the uh, the first half versus the second half. It was just, I was just like, gosh, dang it, dude. Uh, I was bummed, you know, just bummed because I'd just been genuinely looking forward to seeing how they played how they played for their new coach. And I think the coaches, and we'll get into some of this, I think I think the coaches let the, the kids down in terms of prep and that that, peop, that word that people love to throw around, making adjustments. And I think that in a lot of ways, on the other side of the coin, Mike, that I think the players let the coaches down, uh, let Coach Freeman down. So we, we can kind of get into it. I mean, I don't know what you how you want to tee it off, but – um, you can just, I might just run on for five minutes if you're good with that, dude. Yeah. Let's start with, you want to go offense, defense. Um, sure. The, the thumbnail of this, um, this YouTube video, I got a picture of a dejected Jack Cone with an angry looking Mike Goolsby. <laughs> I know the last time I used that little screen grab of you, you kind of were like, man, why, why, why are you using that picture of me? It wasn't your favorite. Whatever. It, it was just too good not to use. So, sure. Um, I feel like yeah. So we let's talk. Let's talk feeling. about the let's talk about the offense. Is that fair? Jack Cohn, sixty-eight pass attempts, five hundred nine yards, five touchdowns, and a pick. He kid played his heart out. That's for sure. Um, but uh, you know, what, what, you know, running game obviously couldn't get going. Forty-two rushing yards. Some good things from the receivers. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the offense, Mike. What do you think? So one of the things. And again, talking about that build-up to the game that I was looking forward to was that uh, you know with Coach Kelly being gone, and that conceivably like the training reels are off for Coach Reese, and you know, the expression like when the cats are away, the mice will play. So Coach Reese is like, "F it, let's throw it seventy times." Um, so that was fun on one hand, and on the other hand, with the lack of a running game it was really indicative of how special of a player Kyron Williams was for this program. I don't believe that uh, coach Reese had a lot of faith in the run game. And when you go back and you look at previous games throughout the course of the season, like so many of the runs that Kyron made were just on just sheer grit ability, breaking tackles, stepping out of tackles. I mean, he, he like make made his own yardage. And we don't have him. We didn't have him available for the game. So I think kind of Coach Reese kind of scrapped it. So we just threw it all over the yard. Um, now, with that, in, in terms of making adjustments, in the second half, um, Oklahoma State really stopped blitzing. They just played coverage. Oftentimes, Mike, they were rushing three, dropping eight. Um, and that was kind of a missed opportunity for us to check into a run and or just and start pounding the ball. Jack Cohn statistically played a great game. Again, I'm, I'm, 
I guess I'm glad that we had him this season, but I'm very conflicted with Jack Cohn. He's his pocket presence in that game. I thought was very, very poor. I mean, just like case case example, Mike, they're rushing three. So those edge rushers are just getting vertical Jackson and a shotgun and then would continue to get another two, three yards depth. Right. You got to step up. Which just allows the defensive ends to, to run the rail and, and get a sack. It's like versus, you know, it's kind of taking the snap and maybe moving up in the pocket. His pocket awareness, he never got better as the season went on to me. Jack didn't. Um, I thought some of the play calls were interesting. Like we're not running the ball with any with any success and we're not even really threatening to run the ball. However, we're still running like play action when, when Cone was under center. So it's like, why run play action if you haven't had any success running the ball? So it's just waste um, of time, right? It's just kind of a waste of time. And then like you could teach a linebacker, most linebackers know this and people watching the game at home, when a quarterback's under center, if a running back's at five yards, Mike, it's a pass. If a running back's at seven yards, it's a run. Seven yards gives him more vision, time to set up blocks, five yards makes it more easy for him to step up in pass protection. So we were putting Jack under center, running backs at five yards. It's like it's an obvious pass down, yet we still carry out the play, carry out the play action fake. And I also too, um, Kane Madden's the worst football player I've seen in a long time. Just I need to get that out there. Don't hold just, back. It's just cathartic. It's just cathartic to say it out loud, Mike. I mean, he was so bad. Um, that last play. Oh, it was ten days ago. I mean, Cone did all he could. Ball was kind of tipped and hit Kevin Austin on the head. Hey, guys, make sure you hit the thumbs up on this video, by the way. You're watching back, watching live. Please do that. Madden got beat so bad. He he, he really did. Um, I thought of you when I saw that. Why? Well, if, if you didn't, I videotaped my television screen and sent it to you and, and Tim Hyde. Oh, that's right. You did. Yeah, I think that was like the second to last play of the game, whatever. And, you know... And Kane Madden continued to start, continued to play the entirety of the game. And that was another kind of layer of disappointment for me was like the uh, – we haven't got to the quarterback yet in terms of Tyler Buckner's role or lack thereof. But I was excited to see, again, with Coach Reese being gone and being completely removed from any personnel decisions that we didn't sprinkle in other kids, namely at that right guard spot. That was disappointing. And the other, the only other thing, like – it was just such a bomber, man. Was uh, I don't feel like the kids, and we're talking offense here. I don't feel like specifically at the wide receiver spot, Mike. I don't feel like that they came out and competed. We'll say that they played hard, but I feel like they didn't compete. Kevin at Austin receiver? didn't. About at yes, yes, sir. Maybe and Kevin Austin styles? didn't compete for the ball. Go ahead. Sorry, Mike. Maybe outside of Styles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Styles are fantastic. I'm not knocking Styles. This is more of a a critique aimed at Kevin Austin and aimed at Brayden Lindsey. And uh, I've said it before throughout the course of the season. I thought that the receivers tend to like show more energy when Tyler's in the game at quarterback versus Jack. Um, I just I know he throws a better deep ball than than Cohen does, but I just didn't see them going up and competing to make catches like Colsey had a, and these are on a lot of, a lot of stop routes. It's so it's like third and six will run a seven yard stop route and they just don't compete to get the ball. And that, that, that bothered me. Um, so, you know, Kevin Austin's gone, Lindsay's coming back, but that was just a bummer 
And then again, everybody talks about coaches don't make adjustments. They didn't make adjustments, but then nobody ever talks about well, what adjustments could be made or should be made. And specifically to this game on the offensive side of the ball in the second half, they stopped utilizing a four man front the majority of the time and they stopped bringing pressure. So we're in a three man front. It's like, let's just run a draw. Let's check to a, an inside run. And we didn't do that. We just kept chucking it around the yard. Mike, so l- l- yes. let me interrupt you. What would you make of Tyler Buckner's zero snaps? So again, disappointing. And I'm glad you brought that up. If we're doing this, people call it an RPO. People call it a quarterback read, quarterback decide. You know, it's a run pass option for the quarterback. That shit does not work with Jack Cohn, a quarterback. It doesn't work. Like, throw it out. So just get rid of that little play fake because nobody's honoring it. The edge guys aren't honoring Jack Cohn. He, and again, great kid. <laughs> like, but like, we're talking, he's so unathletic, Mike. He can't carry out a lot of like play fakes. Like, if you asked him to take a snap from under center and sprint to the edge for like a boot action, like, he can't get there. Like, he physically doesn't have the D- in it in his DNA to do it. So, that's another potential adjustment. Like, had you sprinkled Tyler in the second half, that might have opened up the run game as we've seen it kind of play out throughout the entirety of the season. So, if I'm Tyler Buckner, I'm a little bit. Don't you have to be like a little miffed? Like I burned a year of eligibility. Not that he intends on staying for five years or anything, but I, I burned a year, year of eligibility to do what? You I know? don't know, Mike. He got a lot of good playing time this season, oh, right? For a, I mean, a lot of a lot's a relative term. Well, like he got good it. experience, like at the quarterback position. I mean, you're like I said, we've talked about your level of kindness. You're just a very kind person. But if like if if I'm going to burn a year and you're going to develop me, there has to be some measure of consistency in terms of how often we're going to plug him in. That's a different discussion. Yeah, I think overall he got good experience this season. But if you look at it from a micro standpoint of his usage, it was weird all season. There never was a super weird. Yeah, super weird. It felt so, like they were forcing him to get reps because they wanted him to be the guy next year. That's what it felt like all season. Well, I mean, forcing is probably a strong word, but yeah, there was there was no there didn't seem to be like any rhyme or reason to how to the usage. And I think this is a prime example. It's like, well, shoot, we can't run the ball. Let's throw Tyler in there at the very least to run that RPO game. And he could pull it, and then boom, there's a 20-yard pop. Now we've got a little bit more momentum. And, like, you know, the offense was just kind of – it was stale throughout the majority of the the second half. And, again, throughout the course of the season, Mike, we plugged Tyler in for a, a, a jolt of energy, and it's just – we didn't do it this week yeah. or that game. All right, Notre Dame fans, if you're just joining us live here, Mike Goolsby, Mike Singer here for the Mike Goolsby Show. Uh, we did not have a – uh, post Fiesta Bowl show, and we're doing that now. Um, but we are also going to talk about a lot of the roster decisions. Um, Harry Heastan, Mike wants to talk about him, so we it'll probably be a little bit of a longer show. Um, so appreciate you guys watching live with us, watching back, or uh, listening via podcast. Make sure you hit the thumbs up on YouTube. And um, 
for you guys watching this, this costs you zero dollars. So, um, of course, you drop super chat. We always appreciate that. But otherwise, I am at liberty to plug um, our blue and gold website. We recently moved from Rivals to the On3 network, a uh, move that we are very excited about. If you sign up today, go to bloomgold.com, a dollar for your first year of premium access, and you'll also get a free Founders Club hat. You can see the image on there for YouTube audience if you sign up before uh, February 3rd. Now, these hats won't ship out until the summer. They, we don't have inventory for them yet. Um, so, I mean, keep in mind, it's it's a dollar subscription. You're still getting a free hat. It might take a little bit, while, little, little bit of time, but... Uh, yeah, really, really exciting stuff. Again, guys, uh, dollar for the first year. You also get a Founders Club hat. Uh, always uh, shoot me an email, msinger at blueandgold.com. Shoot me a tweet at mtsinger. Drop a YouTube comment. Whatever you got to do to get in touch with us. If you have any questions, uh, please let us know. All right. Um, let, let me look at my notes and see what we have next, Mike. Hey, uh, can we touch on, can we defense. Touch on the defense? I do want to. Yeah. Yes, yes. Defense and specifically the run defense and the um, uh, the Oklahoma State quarterback Sanders rushing for 125 yards on 17 carries just kind of did whatever he wanted. And I remember doing pregame shows with Tim Hyde and Tim was like, look, the Sanders guy is not that explosive. Like he was a first team all Big 12 guy kind of by default, like 371 yards and four touchdowns runs for 125. I mean, what the heck was going on with their Notre Dame's rush defense and stopping the quarterback? Hey, before we talk about defense, I do want to acknowledge our uh, foray into uh, merchandise with these hats, you know, wink, wink, Mike. Um, but yeah, defense wise, lack of adjustments. So, um, we were pretty consistent in terms of our game plan throughout the course of the afternoon and that we were just bringing, bringing heat constantly, constantly bringing heat. And, um, everybody needs a scapegoat. Clarence Lewis seemed to be the scapegoat coming out of this game. He did look a little bit lost at times and, um, but we gave him no help. And when I say we gave him no help, I mean, figuratively and literally in that, we're blitzing our rover, our safeties walk down, you know, the would-be cover two safety to that rover side is walked down. He's locked up on number two man-to-man. Let's just say number two runs a seam, takes the safety vertical, and then number one, Clarence Lewis's man just runs like 12-yard digs. Clarence Lewis is having to cover an entire half of a football field on his own. Uh, so let's just say we're call that cover one with, you know, blitzing underneath. The opposite safety, whomever it was, whether it was Houston, whether whether it was DJ Brown, you name it, they were lined up on the hash on the short side of the field. So like they, Clarence Lewis, Clarence Lewis kind of got screwed in terms of like the game plan wise um, defensively, but he did look lost. I mean, there was a play down where in the goal line where I think in my notes, like I think they brought it to twenty one to even the score, and there were. What was it? Yeah, their third touchdown, they're down there in the goal line there in trips formation, kind of a wide, sort of a wide bunch look. He and Tariq Bracey are supposed to be pattern reading. Like if your guy goes out, if my guy goes in, like we switch off. And then Clarence like dropped off like he was in zone coverage and his receiver ran a little bubble. Uh, his man ran a little bubble screen. So it was, it was, it was tough to watch. I don't think, you know, I think another storyline coming out of the game was like the collapse of the defense. We were up. 
whatever it was, 28 to three. Um, insert your Atlanta Falcon, Tom Brady memes there. I saw a few online. Yeah, it was 28 seven, but close. Yeah, or 28 seven, sorry. Yeah, um, close. You know, with football, Mike, it's never as good as it seems. It's never as bad as it seems. Like they were moving the ball during the first half, but for whatever reason, they didn't put points on the board, but they were moving the ball consistently. It's not like that quarterback had 500 yards of offense solely in the second half. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's it's a little bit concerning with like with Coach Freeman's scheme, where if you don't have the bodies and the talent level and the skill on the outside, like you've got to be able to mix in some more zone coverage to kind of protect some of those guys at times. Now, when we did play um, like vanilla zone, the quarterback just pulled it down and ran, and then oftentimes we'd be blitzing with our little kind of cross dog stunt, Mike will, and we're just missing tackles. And I've said it all freaking year long. Our linebackers miss a lot of tackles. And it's just the physical limitation. They don't have the arm length to, like, get a hold of these guys. Drew White in particular. Like, he's a little T-Rex out there trying to get his arms around a Division One athlete. And he just misses a lot of those. Um, and that's what I'm talking about, like, where – I mean, what linebacker wouldn't kill to play in a scheme, Mike, where I get to blitz 50% of the times and you, you walk out of that game with, like, no tackles for loss or no sacks? You know, it's just like, what the f- – it's, it's, it's annoying to watch. Mike, Switch got- it up. And then last thing about the linebackers yeah. is hold your freaking water. Like, when I say hold your water, that's like coach speak. Like, dude – all season, you're, I know you're coming on a blitz. It's like just fucking sit still until the ball snapped. Time your blitz up. And these kids, throughout the course of the season, they keep inching up and they're giving it away, quarterback and check. And, like, you're screwing Clarence Lewis because he's got to hold up in man coverage now. And now the quarterback knows that we're, we're, we're blitzing. And it's just like, what does it take for these guys to just be a little bit more sophisticated in terms of their approach, like, with the with the blitzing, you know? Going back to Clarence Lewis, Aaron just said on YouTube, here's an adjustment, take Lewis out. And I kept seeing this, you know, people dogging on Clarence Lewis. And I kind of had the same thought as you, like, he's just getting left on an island. They're, I mean, they're just picking on him. There's no and help. If he's Notre Dame's best cornerback in that scenario. So you take him out, like, if Clarence Lewis is not a great cornerback, that doesn't matter. If he's your best guy, that's who you have to play there, right? So you have to help him. And he was just on an island the entire game because they're blitzing so many guys. Freeman runs a very aggressive defense, and um, it was not to the benefit of Clarence Lewis. Yeah, like typically speaking, you know, I have a corner that I trained who's probably going to start next year for Oregon. Like we talk all the time about down a distance and just knowing where your help is. So, like, you can make more plays. If I know I've got help over the top here from a deep safety, whether it be in whatever, because if you can play cover two man, and then this is the other thing, and I hate to be, like, that guy, but, again, if two goes vertical and carries a safety, and then Clarence's guy runs a square in, and our linebackers blitzing, there's no help on the inside. There's no help over the top. There's no help outside. There's no help underneath. So it's like, why don't you just leave the safety, play deep, Clarence can sit on some of those like third and seven type routes. And then if the guy runs an in-breaking route, your, your, your rover's there to pick a pass up. But no, we keep vacating that zone because he's blitzing. So that was hard to watch. Now, 
I don't like, we'll move on past this game here in a second. But like, when I talk about, I was a little disappointed in terms of the coaches and their, their game plan slash lack of adjustments. We touched on that, but then I'm also disappointed in the players because as, as poorly as they played, like in the second half, we still almost won the game. Like if, if one kid, we've been talking about this, Mike, just getting kids that want to compete a little bit harder. Like you watched that Georgia game last night. At the end of the game, they're picking up a first down and three, four offensive linemen are pushing. Like you, we haven't, we haven't seen enough individual effort where kids want to be great in big time games. And I don't know if like the serendipity of Coach Freeman getting hired and just like that that kind of fairy tale ending to the season. I don't know if we thought we were going to walk in there and just win because that's the way Hollywood would have scripted it. But this is big time football. Um, and I just thought there was there was opportunities for us to make plays, specifically bringing down the quarterback, whatever. And we kind of let the let the coaches down. And I thought that Coach Freeman, last thought, I thought that Coach Freeman watching him on the sidelines. A, I thought he he could have used some timeouts in the second half when the defense was kind of sucking 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 for air. They were tired. Speaking of tired, I thought Coach Freeman looked tired, and that guy's had a whirlwind of a month, you know, and. I thought the players should have played harder for him um, in his first game. I just thought that he, inevitably he had so many responsibilities, so many media things that I, it had to detract from his game planning. And um, that being said, we still should have and could have won the game if players would have competed a little bit harder uh, kind of case-by-case basis. Yep, YouTube folks, hit that thumbs up if you're just joining us. Uh, drop a super chat if you want your question answered right away. I saw one super chat coming. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, dollar for a year premium access, blueandgold.com. Make sure you check us out. Mike, it's a two beer. It's a two beer kind of night, buddy. Go ahead. Sorry, I cut you Shoot. off. Shoot, I only got one here. So no, you're fine. Go ahead. I think my wife's in bed, so I'm kind of I'm kind of screwed there. All right, a little bit of a transition topic going from the game to the future is the. Uh, the bowl, the major bullwind drought. Mike, I was six months old the last time Notre Dame won one of those big ones. I, as a Notre Dame alum, a former Notre Dame player, how frustrated are you that it's been so long since Notre Dame's won one of these big bowl games? Well, first of all, it sounds like you might be the problem. You know, you're born and then we just start losing. So <laughs> no, they won. I was born and then they they. They won. Oh, fair enough. Uh, six months one way or the other. So, yeah, I mean, it's frustrating. I mean, and that's where there's so many things about Notre Dame, the institution, and there's in a lot of ways more things about Notre Dame football that they're so easy to root for. And more people should pay attention to Notre Dame because they do do things the right way um, in terms of, like, bettering kids and in and, and, when kids to a man, when they come in the program and when they leave Notre Dame football program, they're so much more prepared for, for real life than your average top 10 college football program. So there's a lot of things to root for, but when we keep laying these eggs year after year in these big bowl game type environments, we just give the, the, the Notre Dame naysayers, haters as you call them, Mike, more um, you just keep giving them more ammunition. 
So it's frustrating. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Even though Notre Dame played Georgia really tight. I mean, they beat Clemson last year. Notre Dame fans don't even want to. I give Notre Dame credit for beating Clemson. It was a COVID uh-huh. year. Yeah, they were out Trevor Lawrence, but. So I don't know what the, you know, I was, th- I was, I was really thinking about, it's like, you know, if I'm the head coach at Notre Dame, which do I, I, I stay think, in, I think you'd be a great head coach, Mike, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't, uh, I think like maybe like, would I stay in South Bend longer and show up like two days before the game? Would I go to the bowl site three, four days earlier? Like I, I just, I'm kind of tired and I know all of us are kind of like, you know, with under Kelly, we would come out flat. Um, but what I'm looking forward to, and we're going to talk baby recruiting. I mean, all off season, we'll talk recruiting. And I was texting with Tim Hyde watching the national championship last night. I can't understate or overstate rather like talent is one thing, but there's, um, and Brandon Joseph, I know we'll talk about the Northwest Northwestern transfer. Like, you need a few more like high character guys in terms of like their drive, like to to spice it up a little bit. And that there's like there's so many plays that offensively specifically. It's like the kids are almost overcoached. They're like robotic. And that like, dude, go try and make that extra play and. In the in those big time bowl games, like we we just get out competed. Sometimes we get out speeded or out skilled on the edges, but in this game in particular, I just felt like we got out competed. And you know that internal locker room like leadership. These kids got to look at themselves in the mirror and and figure out why. Like, granted, you did your job, you ran the route great. The, maybe the ball was a little bit off, but like you got to help each other out. And I think that's a that's still a missing element here. You know. Got a super chat from Garth. Um, I, I, my um, about to sound the 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 super chat alarm. Wait, I think we have it. Let's let's hear it. <laughs> that might have been DJ Khaled in the in the house. <laughs> All right, Garth says, uh, "Goolsby, would you, would you like Jordan Patelho at Mike?" So Jordan has played some rovers, played some outside backer. I, I don't know exactly what he's played. Uh, but Garth says, I personally think he would have great size and length. Do you have any, any thoughts on, on Jordan Patello? And thanks for the super, super chat, Garth. Jordan Patello is a, a he, he's another one of these like enigmas. Like we're all kind of Notre Dame fandom sort of waiting for him to pop. There's a lot in terms of answering Garth's question. There's a lot to process and a lot to learn. And there's a lot to shoulder as a Mike linebacker which is why throughout kind of Kelly's tenure, you've seen some lesser athletes like the Josh Schmitz and the Drew Whites of the world, like man that position and hold it down because they might have the mental aspects. So that'd be a a really tall order for Jordan to pick up. That being said, Garth, I think if Freeman's going to continue to play this like wonky three down, put Foskey as a middle linebacker, I think Patello could, uh, It'd be fun to watch him play that role, but as a you know three down Mike linebacker, I don't see it. Okay. All right. Yep. Again, Garth, appreciate the super chat, and uh, yeah, let's talk about uh, Brandon Joseph, the uh, Northwestern safety transfer um, who Notre Dame um, landed just a couple days ago. Um, I interviewed him um, before he announced. You can find that story at blueandgold.com. Um, you know, we had analysis, plenty of information on him. So you lose an All American and you gain one. 
Um, now that's, you know, maybe a tad misleading because there's no way Brandon Joseph is going to be Kyle Hamilton because really no one, uh, I mean, we haven't seen many talents like Kyle Hamilton's safety position, but still huge get here, Mike. And um, I want to note undergrad. Notre Dame doesn't really go after many undergrads, but I think it's a, a sign that, hey, like Freeman's guys, like they're uh, they're not going to like it's going to take a lot for them to, to, you know, slow down in recruiting. So they go out and get an undergrad guy. So pretty impressive. So thoughts on Joseph as a player, kind of the fit and uh, them getting an undergrad. Well, let's talk about you had a, a great segue there, Mike, in terms of we're losing an All-American and Kyle Hamilton and we're gaining another one in Brandon Joseph. So Kyle Hamilton is uh, one of those kids that's just touched by God, just blessed size, speed, athleticism, whatever. But the productivity, I mean, he made he made a lot of things look so easy that we probably didn't give him the credit that he was due. Um, that's on one hand. On the other hand, outside of like the Florida State game this year where he came across, you know, both hashes to make a great play, um, he didn't do like a whole lot. He didn't make a lot of like splash plays. He covered up for a lot of people. He was a great eraser in terms of, uh, making kind of last ditch effort tackle type plays, but in terms of production, Brandon Joseph's got nine career interceptions. So I think I don't think that he's quite the athlete in terms of measurables, height, weight, flat out, just speed that Kyle was. But the productivity might supersede what Kyle has done up to this point. And the way the Northwestern used him, I'm not going to pretend to understand like how he, what role he played in their scheme, etc. Uh, but he's kind of like a Tyron Matthew, Honey Badger type dude. You know, not going to like – Tyron Matthew isn't a freak athlete. He's not uh, Derwin James back there, but he's played in the NFL for like 10 years and he's still doing it. He's got a little bit of magic. So turning the ball over with the turnover margin to me is the most important statistic in modern-day football. He fills a massive need for us. Kari Gee left. Um, and that was kind of – I was looking forward to seeing what Kari could turn into, but you know, that's the nature of, of big time college football. So sad to see him go, but um, we've got, it seems like we got a little bit of a pipeline into the, the wildcat program there. Yeah. Chris just made a, a comment. Um, yeah. Second Northwestern player Notre Dame's picked up here in the portal, Ben Skoranek, who was up. Heck, Notre Dame could have used someone like him this season. Just like, yeah, he, he got crapped on a lot when he was playing. Yeah. He, just not being like a difference maker. Heck yeah. And he would have been great to have this past season, but yeah, there you go. So very nice get. And, uh, another recent get that Notre Dame fans are very excited about. Yeah, he can, he can do I mean, I watched a little bit of his film. He can blitz. Um, he can tackle, he played man coverage, plays play over the top. Uh, nice little kind of Swiss army knife for coach Freeman for the next, hopefully couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of years. Yeah. Should, should have him for a little bit. Okay, Harry Heastan, Notre Dame, brings back us offensive line coach. Um, thoughts on him, Mike? What do you think about this pickup for the Fighting Irish? It's great. I love that you call him a pickup. I mean, it's a good – what the hell What the hell else is he doing? He's retired in South Bend, you know. Might as well go coach some ball. Um, but, yeah, it's great. When we, when we hired Coach Freeman, I think I was on – uh, a different pod. I think it was me and Tim were on a pod and we we're talking about my big concern with Coach Freeman was just his youth, his age, 35 years old. And 
you're going to have to have a couple couple guys in the on on staff that have a little bit of that gray hair factor. Greg Lackey, I think, used that Reese, term, that gray hair Reese factor. Is even, yeah, Reese is my age, you know? Like yeah, young so, so I think uh, he stand comes in with a lot of respect, um, carries a lot of respect with him. Knows Notre Dame. And, and I think it's going to be a nice balance, like with Coach Reese and with Coach Freeman. Um, wisdom is something that's probably – uh, not accounted for enough nowadays, but like the guy's got a lot of wisdom. Our O line, somehow we made it through this season with that kind of patchwork playing a, you know, four string left tackle who turns into a freshman All American, and you know, going into next year, just position wise with um, Alt at left tackle, Blake at right tackle, and Patterson coming back, it's a strength now. And now you throw Heastan on top of it. Um, it looks good. It looks good because there's a lot of we touched on a little bit in terms of like technique and I don't think Cade Madden was like talented enough to execute much of anything, but um, he stands got a great track record. Hopefully, it, it should work with recruiting as well. It should factor into that as well, and um, it's a good hire. It's, it's always nice to have like a Notre Dame guy, and he seems like a Notre Dame guy. You mentioned uh, Greg Ladke. Greg, I hope you're watching this. Um, he, Greg, mailed me a playing card of John Alt when he was with the Kansas City Chiefs, Joe's dad. Um, now it's my prized possession, and John Alt, when he, I think this, the card is maybe three or four in, three or four years in with the Chiefs, six eight two ninety six, um, and Joe is like three ten now, and he's a freshman in college, so. Um, Alt's, Alt's going to be like 320 as a sophomore. Like that kid is just going to keep – he is such a freak because he keeps getting bigger. And I keep hearing like, well, he's going to gain another 10 pounds if he can keep this athleticism. And he just keeps putting on more weight, and he still moves really well. Uh, mm-hmm. He is a special football player. Um, so, yeah, are you a sports card guy, Mike? I thought you'd be more like Pokemon or something. Well, damn, Goolsby. <laughs> I did do Pokemon as a kid. Of course <laughs> you did. See, I was right. Sports cards, so yes. Don't take it Good as an read, insult, you jerk. But it's funny, like when we when when fans get into these five star ratings and stuff, like it's um, you know, a guy like Alt wasn't a, you know, you know better than me. Was he a three star, four low star, three star, low three? So star. low three star because he didn't, he wasn't three hundred pounds, and it's sort of not to like knock, you know, recruiting evaluators or whatever, but. Are we not taking into account that his dad played in the NFL for a decade? Like, you know, he, he just might have been a little bit of a late bloomer. So it's just, it's just always, it's a cautionary tale to not pay. Um, the, the star rating isn't an end all be all because some of that is based off of you know measurables, and none of these kids are finished products. So yeah, it's it's exciting. Yeah, very excited about Joel. Okay, um, so Harry Heastan. Okay, so we have a ton to talk about with the Notre Dame roster update. Portal, players in, players out, I mean, draft, tons of crap. So uh, before we go, because I'm sure we picked up some uh, new folks in our YouTube audience, again, uh, sign up for $1 premium access, blueandgold.com. If you do so before February 3rd, throw in a free Founders Club hat as well, something that will ship out um, around the summertime. So Again, a dollar for the first year and a free Founders Club hat, value of like 130 bucks. 
Um, really the deal of the year, so make sure you guys check that out. Again, this is what the sign-up page looks like at bloomagold.com. If you click on the banner at the top, if you really want to, you can do a dollar for four months. Um, and then you can see the what the billing is after the trial period ends. But if you've never been on one of the you know, on blue and gold and you want to check out our site, you know, premium recruiting coverage. Um, you know, I, I post on there nonstop, ask me questions. You have access to me pretty much all day long if I'm not sleeping. And um great time um talking with other Notre Dame fans. So always good stuff there. If you sign up, drop a uh a, a comment on YouTube um and, and, and let me know. Cool. All right, Mike. You smiling. Yeah, I'm with you, buddy. You excited for our new site or, you know, that's, I mean, one dollar, right? uh, I mean, that's a, a, a dime a month, you know, yeah. eight cents a month or whatever it is. Basically our, our, maybe I shouldn't say our thought cause that wasn't my decision, but I think the thought is kind of like for sure. our folks who are with us at rivals, they're paying a hundred dollars a year and just renewed. Hey, here, here, here's your chance we're kind of making up for that. It's a dollar. And and for new well, folks out I there, just, try it out. Mike, I just I know how hard you work, dude. Uh and yeah, I think it's I think you're worth a dollar a month. Thanks, buddy. Well, this is a dollar <laughs> for a year. It's not even a dollar for a month. So. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Even more so. All right. So roster updates. Um, here we go. So notable players entering the draft, and I'm even gonna leave a few names out, like Drew White. Like he's entering the draft, but not not even notable. I was going to say notable players, yeah. Isaiah Pryor, um, he could have come back for another year, not even a starter for Notre Dame. He entered the NFL draft. Interesting to see if he gets picked up. Obviously, guys like Kyron Williams and Kyle Hamilton, a lot of Notre Dame fans in the uh, YouTube comments here not not happy about those two guys for, for not playing in the bowl game after a loss. Myron Tongavloa, Amosa, not a surprise, but really good football player. I think he's going to have a, a fine NFL career. Kevin Austin entered the NFL draft. So I'm just going to go through all these guys. And then there's some specific players I'm sure you want to talk about, Mike. Yeah, I'm taking notes here. And then I want to get your thoughts on. Definitely jot down Pryor and um, Kevin Austin. I, I really yeah. want to get your thoughts on those two guys. Notable names returning. Braden Lindsay is one I want to talk to you about. All of the receivers. Braden Lindsay, Avery Davis, Joe Wilkins. I'm, I'm pointing with scissors, Mike. I'm like kind of – usually I have a pen in my hand to look smart. I don't have a pen, so I have scissors. Those are those are safety scissors, I assume. I don't know, but they're pink. Those were my um, Christmas wrapping shears. So now I'll have a purple scissors that I also wrote. You know, to wife from hubby. This is my sharpie. I wrote the. This is very riveting stuff here. People really care about this. All right, more notable names returning <laughs> on the offensive line: Josh Lug and Jarrett Patterson. Um, certainly want to. Um, discuss the offensive line. We've, we've touched on a little bit. Houston Griffith and DJ Brown back at safety. That's fascinating given Brandon Joseph's entering the team. So we'll talk about that. Defensive line, Justin Adamalola, Jason Adamalola coming back, and Isaiah Foskey. So, um, again, some really interesting stuff. And Artie, Artie just drops us um, a, a really nice super chat. So um, really appreciate that. Says congratulations on the move. Looking forward to a great 2022. So that super chat of 20 bucks already could get you 20 <laughs> subscriptions for a year uh, for our uh, for for the first year at least. So already really do appreciate the super chat, my man. Okay, thanks, Artie. All right, let's start with Isaiah Pryor, and we're we're gonna you know we are 
42 minutes in. So, you know, unless yeah, we, well, we said it's a two beer kind of night. Yeah. So we'll kind of rapid fire through these Isaiah Pryor. Um, I think he'll have a nice little NFL career. The kid can do a lot of things. I think he'll be a very willing special teams player. Um, I'm going to kind of tag him to Griffith and uh, DJ Brown, but we'll come back to that. Okay. Um, Kyron obviously gone. I'm so curious to see what Ky- Kyron's going to run in that 40. Because I think he's going to be a – I was thinking about that earlier today. I think he's going to be like a mid-4-5 guy. I don't think he's going to be a burner. I think he'll do everything else really well. Um, Drew White is declaring for the NFL draft. Um, or he's, you know, he's going to try and go to the NFL. We'll see what happens there. Um, I know he'll work out hard and do all those things, but just and Mike, one one other guy, Bo Bauer. Sure. Bo Bauer's, Bauer's back coming back. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of guys. It's interesting. Like when you look at these, like, well, you know, like Myron's gone. You know, a fine player, but like, yeah, I guess he's going to play in the NFL, right? I mean, he's going to be a fourth round pick, fifth round pick. Like he's going to play. So. Um, yeah, I wish I wish Kyle would have Kyle Hamilton would have been around longer. It felt like I'll, I'll say it, whatever. He's gone. I feel like Jeez. I'm just saying. I feel like Kyle was just kind of like biding his time. I feel like he made a couple plays against Florida State. He's like, I'm good. I mean, once he once he hurt his ankle or whatever it was, I mean, I knew he was never coming back. I mean, not to say that that's a it's not even a selfish move. I'm just saying, matter of factly, he was out. Yeah. So. Um, glad to have him for the, you know, two years and four games that we did. So guys coming back, is that probably, probably should be our focus. Kevin Austin. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Kevin Austin. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, but you know, he's been here a long time and he is probably, you know, some of these kids, like I, I, I would wish I could get my hands on him and work with him and kind of train him or whatever, but. You see the measurables, you see the length and the speed, but he's too rigid for me. And if he doesn't compete consistently, if at all, for balls, like once he gets to that next level, um, the level of competition, like it's it's people's livelihoods, he, he might be in for a rude awakening if he gets onto a team just in terms of like the level of competition. I think some of these guys like Kevin Austin's like, how much higher can his stock get? Like, I, I don't know, like someone who's banged up with injuries during his career. Like he would have been a number one or two or th- three threat. I don't know for Notre Dame's offense somewhere in there this next season, but I don't know if his stock goes up that much more um, than it is right now. I don't know. So um, I wish, I wish him well, but, it's just like a guy that has so much genetically he's gifted, but the motor, I never saw. Rarely. I saw the motor. I hate to say never. Rarely. You saw the motor to just go, go get it. Um, But we will see. So guys coming back, Lindsay really has to work on becoming a receiver. Um, I think whoever is his next quarterback, hopefully it's Tyler. Tyler will have the ability to, complete a, a deep ball, you know, more so than Jack Cohn had the capacity to. So that bodes well for Lindsey. But just in terms of he's another guy I think needs to compete more for some of these contested catches. 
Um, Avery Davis deserves a break. I know he's a good lock, locker room guy. Um, and you just like to see him get some consistency. I know nothing about Joe Wilkins. Josh I'm Lug. A, I'm a Joe Wilkins ahead. fan for what it's worth. I love Joe Wilkins. I, I, clips we've seen of him in, in fall camp and, and spring ball and whatnot. Big, long receiver, and I think he's got a little bit more intermediate route running in him than a little bit more shiftiness than, than Kevin Austin. So is he he's just like a Kevin Austin, just it's been injuries, Mike, that's kept him off the field? Well, he, w- he was dinged up this year, MCL, he, he, he tore this year. June 2020, he led the game, the Duke game, but for whatever reason, he, he I don't know, he, he wasn't the guy. They didn't, they didn't play him a whole lot last year, but so that's that's this is another thing we're talking about is like coaches, if Coach Alexander comes back, like that room in particular with some of those guys, and that's where gosh, you wish like Kevin Austin would have come back, but like when you get a new coach in that room, everything kind of any anything that happened prior to sort of goes out the window and get a fresh start, new lease on life. Um, just That's a receiver face right there, right, Mike? He just, I mean, he just looks like a wide receiver. Oh, we're going Colin Cowherd. You know, <laughs> he's got, got a receiver good, face. <laughs> well, he's got good face. Yeah, I can see. I know I know what you mean. I absolutely know what you mean. I don't know. There, just when I see clips of him, and, and you know me, Mike, I'm very much a, I will let the professionals, that's why we bring you on, you know, I, I will let those coaches – until they give me reason to b- not believe in them, I will trust that they are putting the best players on the field. But Joe Wilkins is one of those guys for me. I'm like, I throw all that crap out. I'm a Joe Wilkins guy. And there's also some players I'm not a blank guy, but I'm also a nice guy. So I typically don't bring those up. And uh, some of some of the players that, you know, I'm not a big um, quote-unquote quote fanboy of. I'm not running their fan club like I am Joe Alt. Some of those guys are big, um, uh, have a, a very strong liking from the fan base. So it's not super popular to do that. So a little look behind the curtain of Mike. Yeah, well, this, so you said you'll trust a professional. Namely, you'll trust like the, the wide receivers coach, the offensive staff to put the best best players in the field. I know you and I have talked on previous podcasts about Coach Alexander, recent podcasts, like that guy's got to go. He did. And he that, is, like, he's out. Yeah, so like, well, great. Okay, so who who do we hire to replace him and stop overcoaching these kids at certain positions? Stop overcoaching them. So like, you need to, and like, you need to let their athletic ability. So you think Alexander was overcoached? I, I think that he was, and I can't put my finger on it, but I had a coach like this, and um, I'm trying to make a cohesive statement for once in these during these podcasts like I felt like coach Alexander was an insecure coach and that like he's not willing the risk reward for him it was all risk there was no reward for throwing a young athlete out there and let, encouraging him to go make a name for himself go be a star go compete um I felt like he's sort of like He's trying to not beat down his players, but you're trying to like rein them in and overcoach them to a point where they lose that innate ability to go make a play and go go complete a catch. So there's there's just something too that were all, so many of his guys that ended up having one year and then end up being like Chase Claypool or 
there's been three of them. Like they play play for one year and they end up being a second, third round pick. It's like, well, where, the ability's been there all along. Why did it take them so like so? Either a you can't freaking develop them, or b you don't trust them. So if you don't trust them, that speaks to your level of insecurity. If they're an NFL player, so that there's just something to that. I'm not in that room. So hopefully for like a, a Joe Wilkins, it's a breath of fresh air. The sense of urgency goes up. Um, and, it, you know, it kind of gets a new lease on life. Sure. Yeah. The thing about some of these coaches when they're out, it's like, all right, now it's time to, to pile on. And then you start hearing, like on, on my side as a reporter, you start to hear a little bit more of the dysfunction there. But I, oh, I, I'm one of the few guys who's given Alexander from credits. Like he worked hard at recruiting. His past couple classes were good. Um, but the but you got to be able to retain. You got to be able to retain. Twenty nineteen and twenty twenty classes just were were terrible. And I mean, at least Xavier Watts and Cam Hart are good football players. I mean, they weren't ended up being receivers, but hey, at least they're good football players. They're still at Notre Dame. But Dell Alexander, a great man, really good family man. The receivers in that room really did um, respect him as a person. Um, but as a coach, it it, it just wasn't working out. Yeah, and I, I mean, and like him not signing. He only signed one receiver, Mike, when it was looking in this 2022 class, when it was looking like for a while that they might get four. They currently have seven. I think now we, we're done with receivers. We all know their decisions now. Everyone's coming back except for Austin. They have seven receivers. Now, I do think they're going to go to the portal and or high school ranks. We've already seen them offer a couple of receivers. And, you know, they're, they're looking at some transfer portal options at that position. We'll see. Um, you know, who the new receivers coach is here. I think Jamarcus Shepard from Purdue is probably the betting favorite right now, but uh, we'll see. I think, what, that what Del, I, I think that Dell Alexander is like an old school. I think his shtick is probably tired. I don't know how else to quantify that. Yeah. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. I'll, I'll say one more thing on him and then we're going to move along. For as good as a guy Dell was, to recruit Arizona. Southern California and wide receivers, you need to have some swagger and some shit to you. Mm-hmm. And Dell just doesn't have that. Uh, uh, you know, like I just don't think he has that personality to go recruit because you got to recruit extra hard. It's not like Notre Dame is like wide receiver. You you can't just plug anybody in there. <clears throat> um, so that that's that's kind of my last thought on Dell. Um, okay. All right. Notable names returning. Do, do we do we just go through the three receivers, Lindsey? Davis and Wilkins. I felt I felt like that was sufficient. So Josh Lug and Jared Patterson, love to see it. I think Lug might need a he stand. Um, and then yeah, I mean that's that should absolutely be a strength. I'm uh, so excited to see who ends up being the stud running back next year. Mike, let, let, let's, let's. Well, I just want to stay on offensive line real quick. Sure. Here's my starting five for next year. And obviously, okay. it's super early. You got Joe Alt left tackle. Um, Christophic left guard. Jarrett Patterson center. Right guard, Josh Lug. And right tackle, Blake Fisher. Now, there's no Rocco Spindler in there, which people will want, want, want to talk about. So maybe it's a Rocco-Lug battle. But I think Christophic had a really good season. You definitely have to start Patterson. You got your bookend tackle, so it's really just the two, two guard spots you're looking at. I'm not a fan of Christophic. 
So, but yeah, if Lug ends up being your your right guard, great. Um, but yeah, we'll see if, if one of these younger guys doesn't doesn't make their way in there, whether it's Rocco or we'll see. But I, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Kristoffic. So we'll see. That'll that'll play itself out. Who wants to talk about O line anyways? Well, Tim Tom A says Mike Goolsby is a WWE Triple H lookalike. Have you ever gotten that yeah. before, Mike? I get it all the time. Really? Yeah. I feel like I need to pop up a picture of Triple H now. Yeah, especially as I, when I started losing my hair, uh, it became more obvious. It could I could do worse though. You know, I'd say he's ruggedly handsome, perhaps on a good day like myself. Are you really pulling up an uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. There we go. I see it. Yeah. There we go. That's Next Halloween, game. Mike. You're looking in a mirror right now. There you go. Okay. I'll All go right. as Triple H next Halloween, and you go as, like, Mankind or something. You know, <laughs> when I was a kid, Goldust lived in my neighborhood. You remember Goldust? Really? Yeah, he used to live in my neighborhood. Well, that's actually Dustin Rhodes, right? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Gold Dust lived in your neighborhood, huh? That explains a lot, Mike. Now come to think about it. (laughs) Now I kind of want to research to make sure it was gold. I was like seven, so I don't quite remember. All right. So cover the offensive line. Houston Griffith and DJ Brown back at safety is fascinating because you do bring in Brandon Joseph, and you have the emergence of Ramon Henderson and Xavier Watts. So it's like, man, you got five safeties there. You were kind of talking to me about this before we started recording. I want to throw. I want you to throw. I'm telling you, I think, I think Houston Griffith and Houston Griffin and DJ Brown are like the kind of the same person. And sometimes it's like you're playing with ten people on defense in terms of like they just don't make plays. One of those two is going to wind up as a rover is my prediction. And I don't think Mike that I've been wrong yet. I told you Joe Alt was going to be left tackle. I told you Blake was going to end up at the right side. There's been a couple of predictions I've sprinkled in here, but I think Houston and or DJ is going to end up as a Rover a la uh, like prior came in prior transferred was recruited as a safety transferred in as a safety ends up playing Rover. So I think they give you a little bit more flexibility coverage wise. Um, you're going to see that. Wouldn't shock me at all. One of them will stay as a safety and one of them will move to rover just because, you know, body type wise, I mean, like that's like moving Clarence Lewis. Clarence Lewis, DJ Brown in, in Houston, all the same body to me, kind of thicker waisted than you want, a uh, little bit just thicker overall as a, as a DB than you want to see, less length that you want to see. So uh, it's good for numbers, but one of those guys has really got a – Houston in particular was a pretty heavily recruited guy, entered the transfer portal, came back, got beat out. Um, it's put up or shut up time there. So the Adam Yola, Adam Yola twins are coming back, probably probably needed to. Um, Bo Bauer, big fan of Bo Bauer, another put up or shut up guy. Um, I thought he, this year, I thought Coach Freeman gave him opportunity after opportunity to make plays uh just in terms of like how they utilized him in that third down package and um 
I don't know if he took full advantage of that, but the crown jewel is obviously Isaiah Foskey in terms of... Were you surprised when he came back? Um, No, I would have felt... I would have been... No, I don't think I was surprised. I would no, I, I don't. I, I felt like Isaiah Foskey throughout the course of the entire season was one of like three guys that consistently played at a high level and wanted to make plays. Kyron Williams, Michael Mayer, and Isaiah Foskey. Like it seemed like every game, if not every other game, made an impact play, um, and so. I was proud of Isaiah for that. So I was like, dude, if you're going to go and, and try and get paid, I support it hundred percent. I'm ecstatic that he came back. So to me, it's like, was he a borderline first round pick, depending on how he work out, worked, worked out, ran, jumped, lifted, et cetera. He comes back this year with his sack production. Um, now he's, you know, trying to fight to get in that kind of top 10 spot, better athlete than like an Aiden Hutchinson, who's, you know, I've heard discussions with him, the, the Michigan defensive end being the first pick overall. He's a much better athlete. Kayvon Thibodeau, the other potential first pick overall, the defensive end from Oregon, super inconsistent in terms of injuries, whereas, like, I haven't seen that from Foskey. I'm half kidding here, Mike, but I hope that, like, he and Coach Isaiah, Isaiah Foskey, and hopefully and Coach Freeman kind of had a sit-down dude, and they were like, hey, I'll come back, but uh, it's enough of this three-man front middle linebacker bullshit right <laughs> like if i'm coming back you're gonna let me rush the passer but the fun thing about isaiah too is like physically he's there so now he really can just spend the, this entire offseason working on his craft um in terms of his you know acumen as a pass rusher so it should be pretty remarkable and it, it could be that could be he and patello at opposite ends i mean it's uh it's pretty exciting to think about the upside there. The defensive line looks great. I mean, oh yeah, you got to replace Kurt Heinisch. You know, on the inside, he's you know been playing at Notre Dame since uh, Nam. But um, dude, I was going out. I was leaving Notre Dame, and I think Kurt was a true freshman. That's all. I was <laughs> yeah, and Bo Bauer, I think, has the chance to break his record for most games played at Notre Dame, which is kind of just a, I don't know there's a little bit of an asterisk there because it's, they just, they have an extra year. Of course they're going to break the record when they can play five seasons and no one before them and to be able to do that really. So. Yeah. Well, it's, it's going to be cause like Bo, Bo should play more of a full down, you know, first, second and third, and if they're going to swap him out on third down and put somebody else in there, what JD Bertrand's probably going to move to the mic position. So whoever's there at the mic is going to be a little bit longer athlete, a little bit more explosive than than Drew White, but almost more importantly, is going to bring a certain level of like physicality and energy and effort um, that hopefully kind of permeates throughout the defense. You know that level of competitiveness, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's kind of going through the roster update here. Did have a couple questions from our premium message board, which. Uh... I think it's that's a it's about time to to throw some love and uh, a good let's segment. go there yeah founders club hat guys sign up uh just one dollar um for the first year of your annual subscription at bloomandgold.com we'll throw in a free founders club hat for all new members signing up before february 3rd 2022 you can see here in this uh, blue block blue box down on the right expect 
hats to be shipped out in the summer. This is the sign-up page. So go to blueandgold.com, read some content, see if you like it. Um, subscribe. If you have any questions, shoot me an email, msinger at blueandgold.com. Tweet me, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Tumblr, Pinterest, whatever. Find me. And uh, if you have any questions, let me know. Um, of course, just drop me a question on YouTube. What are you shaking your head about, Ghouls? Nothing. I just, due to the nature of this podcast, you give me some like layups for, for jokes sometimes, and I have to bite my tongue. That's why I was shaking my, shaking you, you my said, head. You said doo-doo earlier, and I, I held my tongue. The, the, the 13-year-old me, you know. I, I, yeah, I you, like, you like toilet humor, you know. Oh, it's the best. Yeah. I'm a Taco Bell guy, so you kind of have to. All right. PA Domer from our blueandgold.com message board says uh, he wants to know your take on the current linebacker corps. So the guys for this 2022 season, what do you think about the linebackers? Do you have a um, projected depth chart? Yeah, projected depth chart. I think I should just say the two words Jalen Sneed just so we can do an hour-long show and mention him. Uh, but, yeah, what, what, what do you think, Mike? So, and if I – Forget any names. Call them out, Mike. Yep. But I think uh, start with Jalen Sneed. True freshman. He's not going to know what he's looking at. He's not going to know how to diagnose. But in terms of like, if you if perfect case case in point, if we're going to play the Fiesta Bowl like we did on defense, let him blitz 10, 15 times and see if he can't shake something loose. Your Mike will be Bauer, Bertrand. I feel pretty good about that. Should be. Um, your will will be Marist and uh, Prince Kali, in my opinion. Rover, I, I just don't think we're going to be able to trust Snead in coverage yet. Uh, I think Marist could play a little bit of Rover in like a first and mixed, or you know, first and first down, or like a second and short type scenario. It's a lot of interchangeability. Um, I'm more optimistic. How about Go Kaiser? Ahead. Did you talk about Kaiser forever? Thank you for mentioning Kaiser. Kaiser to me is like, I've definitely cooled on him. I think he could play well. I just don't like how many times we've seen, I think we've seen Kaiser get beat twice now on, or if not three times on the back half of the season on like vertical seam routes where the tight end just kind of bends it. And he's, he's able to run stride for stride with these people, but he doesn't have the length. So it's real easy for the quarterback to kind of place that ball in over the top of him. So he's more of a, it's just a bummer. Like Bertrand and Kaiser are like the same exact body type. If you switch their Jersey numbers, you wouldn't be able to tell them apart. Um, I think JD needs to become again, a little bit more sophisticated. I appreciate your effort. I appreciate you as a, you know, he plays the game like a, like a throwback meathead, which, I can't lie, I love, but at the same time, <laughs> you got to be a little bit smarter, dude. Like, this is big-time football. This isn't high school run through a brick wall. And, you know, so I, I'm more optimistic. I just uh, – length, 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 we're starting to see it kind of be worked in. I'm super optimistic to see Prince Collie run and hit. Um, hopefully Bauer can kind of put it all together. Bertrand's going to be a hard guy to beat out just because I know the way he kind of prepares and attacks the game. And Rover will be interesting to see who ends up locking down that role. I just don't think Snead's going to be ready um, mentally, but I do think you can use him situationally as a rush guy. Sure. 
Okay. All right. Um, first of all, Drunk Vigo, um, one of the memorable names in our YouTube comments. The Mike should have a Taco Bell eating contest. Mm. Um, and then um, Tom says, I'll take Goolsby over Singer and Taco Bell contest. I don't know how you feel about Taco Bell, Mike, but you don't have a chance in hell to beat me in a Taco Bell eating contest. Depends on what we're eating. I, I don't, I don't, I'm more of a cheesy gordita crunch. I'm not a crunch wrap supreme guy. We're talking soft shell tacos. Like, what, what, what's, what's your go to since you're the. Do anything. You a fire sauce guy, hot sauce, fire sauce, Diablo meat. I like all of it. I might have to go we get it. We could do that live. We could do that live. Over <laughs> under how how many how many soft shell tacos can you eat? Over under. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Limitless. I don't know. Ten. Is that a That's lot? The math. I don't know. I've never done it, so I don't know. Okay. Another discussion. For all this, well, you can't. You can't say that you're going to blow me out of the water and not have an idea how much you can eat because I haven't. I, I may have previously eaten ten tacos <laughs> from Taco Bell before. You know, I I have a precedent. I don't screw around when it comes to Taco Bell. That's all I'm saying. All right. Okay, I forgot about these two super chats. So we got to get to them. Oh, please Let's sound the alarm. Uh, David says, um, uh, "Goolsby, thank you so much for everything you do, Mike. I don't know what you do, but thank you." Thank you. Really appreciate this every week. Can Harry change the running game for next year? Notre Dame is great when they run the damn ball. Thanks again, you guys. So what do you think about David's comment here? Absolutely. I mean, again, to use the word precedent once more, absolutely. So this year was a mess. Offensive line play. I mean, go back to the first three, four games of the year. It was a mess. So offensive line to me is, I mean, technique is technique. It just depends on how they're going to scheme it out. Um, whether we saw a lot of combo blocks and things and trying to get to the second level. So, yes, I'm, I'm super optimistic based off of Coach Eastan's track record. And, yes, in, to kind of add another layer to that, if Tyler is anointed as our starting quarterback, out of the box, that helps the run game. And I think we've explained that ad nauseum as to putting Tyler in the backfield, trying to run that RPO scheme that coach coach Reese likes. It's just automatically improves your run game. It takes one defender out of the mix. All right. Um, <laughs> the, the, the folks are loving our, uh, our YouTube or Taco Bell talks here on YouTube. Mike, Mike. the gentleman singer versus Mike triple H ghouls me. That's awesome. <laughs> all right super chat from connor um definitely appreciate that um he says do you have confidence in our coaches in the 2022 season to make the proper adjustments to win a football game uh was the fiesta bowl a fluke in that regard well you're looking at you're looking at young young coaches on both sides of the ball so yeah i mean uh rome wasn't built in a day and they're going to gain some experience through it. I, I, I think that Coach Coach Reese missed an opportunity to, you know, again, generically speaking, Mike, you try and open up the game. We're going to pound the rock. We're going to pound the ball. We're going to stick to the run. It's like we threw it out the window immediately and never came back to it. I think that it was a little bit of an outlier, the Fiesta Bowl uh, performance, specifically on the defensive side of the ball, because, again, Coach Freeman was 
he's a head coach in Notre Dame, like overnight. And now he's got to deal with all of these things. He's got like six kids. It's just like, there's a lot on his plate. And, I, and call me crazy, but like looking at him coaching during the game, he physically looked tired to me. Um, so yeah, the, the arrow definitely is pointing up because the, the objection, the, the, excuse me, the adjustments specifically with like Clarence Lewis and covering him up and helping him out is like, blatantly obvious i don't understand how you can't see that when you go back and watch film the next day all right another super chat appreciate this garth mike he's talking about michael carmody asking if if you think he could be a guard prospect i don't know i don't think when we talked about carmody uh when he was a recruit so i don't know if you've seen him much at Notre Dame. I know he's a he's a longer guy he's a longer kid and he's i remember he's because he was playing a little bit of left tackle um, so to answer the question, I can try. I think he's, go I, well, I think he's, go ahead, go ahead, Mike. Yeah. I, was well, just, I was just gonna say, I think he's a lim, I think he's a limited athlete to play left tackle where they asked him to play in terms of like the foot speed, but I did see like the motor and I, I saw the want to in terms of being physical and all that. So yes, I do think he could potentially slot in as a guard. The thought when he was a recruit was that he was a tackle or guard prospect leaning a little bit guard that was at least our, our our sentiment so he was a really good athlete like a really good basketball player like could shoot threes and throw down some thunderous dunks um but you know if you're saying left tackle uh, i understand that okay do you have two more quick questions from our blue and gold message board uh, i'm really fascinated because this is something we haven't talked about unless you have with our group chat with me you and tim hyde i have to admit I don't read most of those texts because Tim texts us so damn much sometimes. Sorry, Tim. <laughs> but uh, C Darwin 22 asks, what is your reaction to how NIL has been utilized by other programs compared to Notre Dame? And do you see Notre Dame stepping up to even out the competition in NIL? Yeah, it's the wild, wild west. My instinct is that the NIL craziness it has to kind of settle so singer if you and i owned let's just say we ran taco bell and uh we give some you know we give tyler buckner he wouldn't eat that crap but uh we give tyler buckner a million dollar endorsement deal i don't think that we're gonna like we're not we're not gonna see that we're not gonna see any return on that I think it's fun. So I think it's going to level off. I do. Now is when you say is, is Notre Dame going to step up to the plate or is Notre Dame going to catch up or whatever? Well, who is Notre Dame? Right? So are these, is that alums stepping up or is that the coaching staff sort of help selling that those opportunities? That's interesting. I've always thought this is another, I've always thought it'd be an interesting experiment to say if I was a, a coach recruiting at Notre Dame, or if I was in the recruiting department to like, look at net worth of ex Notre Dame athletes, football players, 20 years after the fact. And like, you can include all of Miami, Florida state, Bama, include all their ex NFL guys into the mix. So like, forget about the NIL money. Like today, you got a $20,000 deal from a car dealership or whatever is the case, but we're talking about, you know, four years for 40, 
So when an ex Notre Dame player is 45 years old, what is he worth versus that ex Florida State player at 45 years old? What is he worth? I think that's more of like an angle or a shift that Notre Dame could take to kind of insulate them from some of this craziness that's going on now currently. In interviews with recruits, especially when NIL was, you know, just kind of popping on the scene, I, I did hear things like that, like Notre Dame would do presentations with recruits on that. But the rules are that schools can't facilitate deals, which there's just there are no rules. Get real, dude. I mean, there are no rules. I mean, know. that's supposed. To, I mean, that's the rule. I'm not saying it's being followed or. Yeah, that's you being Mike the gentleman singer, dude. The rule <laughs> says I can't do this. There are no rules at this point. Okay, there is a rule by the NCAA, but no one's following it, and the NCAA doesn't really give a crap right now to enforce it. So you're, you're talking about our Taco Bell scenario, Tyler Buckner. That's really not the scenario that's happening. It's more like booster money, back channeling, you know, laundering money. Basically, it's that's basically what it's turned into. Well, that's what I said. With so I who is I really who do. is who is Notre Dame? Is it the football program or is it the alums? You know, so it's like the alums are going to have to step up. But it, but it's also interesting too because I get the sense that so many of these, whether you're you know, a Tennessee volunteer fan, or if you're a Florida Gator fan, or a Bama fan, Georgia fan, USC fan, all that, a lot of that fandom is regionally based. Whereas I would presume a lot of the would be, you know, money people, boosters, etc., they're all over the country at Notre Dame. So it's harder to kind of pull together that like nucleus to make an NIL push. I'm not a fan of it either. Um, I'm not a fan of any of this stuff. I'm not a fan of college head coaches making $10 million a year. You know, hey, I, I don't know if they're going to do some sort of salary cap for coaching staffs, but Brian yeah, Kelly, and I'm not a fan of, yeah, go ahead. Brian Kelly's here with his, his family or family. Family. <laughs> All right. Last question, Mike, then we got to get out of here. I've got crap to do. It's 10, 17. It's got some more work to do. You got to shave still, dude. Bobby you're, that busy. you're that busy you can't find time to shave no i can't it's just it's too lazy at that point bobby o says how is kane madden going to be replaced uh gosh kane madden's gonna be replaced be nice yeah i mean go let's go back to wrestling uh hey, could you pull up uh do me a favor mike because this just came to my mind all right could you pull up an image of uh, Bam Bam Bigelow? B-I-G-E-L-O, Bam Bam Bigelow. All right. Going back to the, we've had a pro wrestling kind of theme here. Yeah, Kane Madden uh, could be replaced by anybody. I mean, you could put a you could put a, a, a athletic trainer out there and to do a better job. All right. So you want Bam Bam Bigelow? Yeah, throw him up there. Here he is. Yeah. Oh, you know who I was thinking? Yeah, keep bam, bam, bam. That's a, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, that's he kind of just is this the who body you're looking type. For? Yeah, that that was it. But I'm thinking of another guy, but I can't remember his name off the top of my head. It'll 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 come to me. But yeah, K. Madden is uh, not a good football. I mean, I put in my notes. I'm looking at him here. I printed him out from the game. He's the worst football player I've seen in a long time. <laughs> Jeez. 
And I, I was joking with, with Tim Hyde. I'm like, I'm 39 years old. And I mean, if I, if I stretch for a couple of weeks, I don't think K-Man could block me like in space still. I don't think he could. I believe that. I don't, I don't know if it's true, but I believe that. So, um, so yeah, we've got another, and he was an All-American transfer, right? We've got another one of Brandon Joseph. I think Brandon Joseph is, uh, there's much more reason to be excited than as, as compared to Kane Madden. All right. I, I think we have to play this applause real quick. A little, little applause there. This is the longest show we've ever had at Blue and Gold, an hour and 20 minutes. Um, yeah. Is that right? Probably. I don't like to go over an hour. So um, appreciate everyone watching live. See, with us. see you know, I said earlier yeah. that uh, you give me these layups All right. and I can't take them. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, it's uh, sex and comedy, man. It's all about oh, timing. Oh, I said something about path. going so long. Yeah, you're like, I don't like to go over, you know, an hour. And I was like, well. That's 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 a long time, Mike. All right, will you finish your beer? I agree. I, agree. I didn't say I disagreed with you. I got a good 45 All seconds. Right. I mean, Mike, 45 seconds. How about that? Let's wrap it up. All right, appreciate you guys watching. If you still are somehow watching with us or, or listening back, kudos to you. Um Man, we, we got people saying, great show, you know, keep it going. Um, is, there, is there a more sex joke right there, Mike, somewhere? I wasn't going to joke about sex at all. Um, <laughs> I think I think it's been a fun season. Yeah. I appreciate you doing this. I think doing this podcast, like I texted you a couple weeks ago, it's been it's been good for me. Um, and we, we really enjoy doing it. We appreciate the support. We do. We do. And uh, dollar for a... Uh... Dollar for the year. Founders Club hat. Let's do it, guys. Sign up. Let us know if you do. Hit the thumbs up. We'll catch you next time.